I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And I'm Charles Etting of H.R. Harmer in New York City. And this is Conversations with Philatelists. So, Michael, tell me a little bit about who we're going to be speaking to today, because I think this is going to be a really interesting one. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So today we're talking to David S. Ball, president of the American Airmail Society. He's written books on American astrophilately. He's the American delegate to astrophilately. Um, just... And- I just spoke to him recently because he's in the midst of planning an airmail stamp show in 2022. So I'm excited uh, to hear a bit more about that as well. I know he's, um, uh, you know, he, he's been in the role, um, you know, about a year now, and uh, he seems like he's doing great things with the AAMS. And I'm really excited to hear more about what he's got in store for the future. Yeah, personally, I'm I'm super excited to speak to him because I I come across astrophilately all the time here at at, at it's work. Legal, and, eBay. These things sell yeah. for good money. Um, yeah, it's they, still it's, a very active segment of the the hobby. Yeah, it, astrophilately, Boy Scouts, and I'd say Princess Diana and maybe Disney are the three most popular topical. Those four stamps things. On. Okay. What I like too is not only is he uh, the president of the society, he has a you know formal official role, um, but he's a collector as well. He you know he can relate. Uh, with us and with with you know all collectors, mm-hmm. so I think it'll be interesting both to speak to him in his role as president of the AAMS as well as just a, a you know philatelic uh, hobbyist. Uh, you know, it's, it's right. interesting he falls into both categories and an, an expert authenticator as well. Yeah, I, I didn't know about that until uh, you mentioned it before we uh, before we spoke. So that'll be interesting to hear about what he's looking yeah. for. Um, you know. I think it's easy to think about things being faked in the 19th century. You know, you have to send all the covers from the 1850s off for authentication, but are there really that yeah. good of fakes being made of things from the 60s and 70s? I think that'll be fascinating to hear about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's get on here. Let's, yeah. let, let's talk to him. I, I think we've both got a lot of stuff to pick his brain about. Yeah, this should be, uh, should be a good one. Hello. Gentlemen, how are you? Hi. Good, how about yourself? Good, good. It's, we spoke on the phone. It's good to uh, sort of meet you face to face, like yeah, this. yeah. I have to tell you, I'm I was so um, pleased that you um, were able to you know step up and and be a strategic partner for the Airmail Society and absolutely. Now, yeah. is, is that something we can talk about today, or is that still under wraps? No, you can talk about whatever you want. And Perfect. Michael, I I just wanted to say, for years I've been following you, what you and Joe have been doing, and oh, awesome. you, you sold like what one hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, at 150,000 sales or something like that. Yeah, something like that. That's a, about our feedback. But yeah, it's um, it's been going a while. We're uh, we're enjoying it. It's just an eBay shop, right? Yeah, yeah. No walk-in <laughs> traffic. Nothing. Uh, nothing else. Just all online. No auctions or anything like that. Oh, and Charles, I, I, I I've just I've been reading. You know, <laughs> I meant to get to that this weekend. I, I, I wrote that a while ago, and they—I they, I had forgotten about it by the time I saw it in print. Oh. So when I when I got the magazine, I was very excited to read. I felt like I was learning new things from reading. <laughs> oh what I read. yeah, no, no. I have to read you how this starts. You know, talk about swinging for the fences. Okay, it says Luff's uh, 1902 opus is at once both fundamental and woefully outdated. Outdated <laughs> as a reference, it's essentially worthless. And I'm thinking to myself. Okay, who is it that gets to say that Luff is worthless? Okay, but no, you know. But I read the rest of it, and, and it's great. And I, I, I have great respect for me. I have a cover. No, I know you do. The, no, I, I think it's from the, the nineteen thirteen Paris Philatelic Exhibition, addressed to Luff, and it's one of my favorite covers. That it's oh yeah, 
of a piece connected to him. So I, I, I was, um, I was going for a bit of, uh, um, you know, uh, shock value at the beginning and then, uh, <laughs> ho- hopefully by the end, I, I made a worthwhile point or two. Well, mission accomplished. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So let's, uh, let's dive right in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's great to, uh, Great to meet you. I don't think we've ever met before. I don't know that we have, but, yeah. but you're in my neighborhood. I, I, I'm uh, I'm with the, the Northeast Federation of Stamp Clubs, and so you're in my area. I need to come and visit. Yeah, that'd be great. Are, you're in, um, which state are you in? I, I live in Massachusetts. I'm in Oh, Framingham. awesome. Wow, mm-hmm. that's super close, actually. It is. <laughs> yeah, about an hour and a half from us or so. So to, to start things off, can you tell us a little bit about your own... A lot of people probably know you as the uh, president of the American Airmail Society, but let's talk about you personally first. What are your collecting interests? How did you get started? Um, you know, if you had to define yourself uh, philatelically, how would you um, explain to people what it is you do? Do we know each other that well? <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> you know, I, I recently did a, a little exhibit at the Spellman um, talking about going from being a hoarder to a philatelist. And I, I think that's helpful for some people to, to kind of fi- figure out where they are on the spectrum. So I'm eight years old and I'm taking envelopes from my parents' mail and I'm tearing off the corners, you know, and soaking the stamps. You're a hoarder, right? I mean, you don't have any reference materials. You're not, you know, writing opuses or anything like that. You're, you're simply taking stamps and making a pile. So I was a hoarder. Uh, and then after a while, you know, you get an album and you get, uh, you know, a catalog. And so now, it's all about completeness and it's a, a function of just finding it and putting it in the book. Okay. So now you're a stamp collector. Uh, and, and at some point you look at it and you go, well, you know, this, this isn't enough for me. You know, I, I can know everything there is to know about this stamp, but this stamp, they made millions and billions of them and I'm not using the rest of my brain. And so now you have covers, right? And now you're interested in auxiliary markings and roots and rates. And, you know, what's the significance of this and what story can I tell? Um, and then you become a philatelist, right? Um, and and so I, I describe myself along that spectrum. I'm a beginning philatelist. I have I have passed the the hoarding stage. I'm past the the stamp collector stage. I am uh, I'm taking the next step into a larger world. And your own um, uh, collecting field. I know you're very involved in astrophilately, which am. For, for people who don't know, um, I which guess is everybody. Pretty- <laughs> the, the, the briefest destination uh, definition would be um, stamps and covers related to um, uh, astronomy, uh, effectively. Okay. Right? Yeah. okay. Is, is well, that, I know it's a very remedial definition. No, I mean, the way I describe it, I describe it as the intersection of uh, space and postal history. And, and, and the way in which that's done um, by FIP rules is it's all about a postmark. You have a postmark and it's got you know, a city and it's got a date on it. And so what happened in that city on that date, you know? So if it turns out that the rocket took off, okay, well, that's one part of the story. But the guy's walking on the moon, well, that's not controlled by Florida, that's controlled in Texas. So now you need a Texas postmark on July 20th, 1969. But that's not the whole story, right? Because before the astronauts uh, landed in the space shuttle. They used to land in capsules and, and get rescued by the Navy. So you'd need an envelope that was canceled on the ship that picked them up on the day they were picked up. And those three envelopes, that told a story. And, and that's what astrophilately is. It's, it's telling a technical story. It's not about roots and rates. Um, it's about telling a technical story about 
the conquest of space, but it's doing it through philately. Right. That's fantastic. And and your your interest in that was that sparked by airmail, or was your airmail interest sparked by astrophilately, or what was your well, kind of journey to that? Okay. Um, well, I've I've always enjoyed reading books about uh, test pilots and and flying, and um, but I was at uh, I was at Washington two thousand and six. And uh, I went to a lecture by a woman uh, uh, named uh, Beatrice Bachman. She's a, a, a really renowned Swiss collector. And she was talking about astrophilately. And I thought, well, I've got some first aid covers that have rockets on them. I must, you know, that must be the kind of thing that I'm doing. And, and, and she explained what astrophilately was. And she was showing pictures of stratospheric balloon flight covers, envelopes that were carried into the stratosphere. And that, that was helping to establish, you know, how do you pressurize capsules? How do you wear spacesuits? Is radiation an issue? How do you do oxygenation? I mean, this is all precursors to, to manned spaceflight. And, and just this, this epiphany, I'm sitting in the audience and, and the heavens open up and there's this big light bulb over my head. And I'm like, I understand this. This is what I want. And, and so I could take that passion about learning about space and, and that passion about collecting stamps and become a astrophilatelist. And, and she describes me at, as her um, astrophilatelic mother. We're still in, in contact. Um, I visited her in, in Switzerland. And, uh, and when I wrote a book on American astrophilately, uh, I wrote a nice thing in there about her. And she's, she's a delight. Your, your book about American astrophilately, I believe it covers the first 50 years. Mm-hmm. Did astrophilately, um, w- w- when did it begin in relation to the American space program? Did it begin with, um, uh, you know, with Project Mercury or was it the Gemini? When did people start treating this as a unique subset of philately, would you say? When were the first astrophilatelists versus the first astronauts? Um, 1957 with Sputnik. When, when the space age started, people realized, oh, well, this is going to be a different collecting kind of thing. And, you know, we didn't put up astronauts until 1961, but, uh, but there were a lot of precursors, right? There are rockets, there are all kinds of tests and qualification flights, and much like what we're doing today, we're doing a lot of uh, test, test flights with, uh, with commercial space flight. So even as early as Sputnik, people were already making that connection between space-bound objects and commemorative postmarks and stamps mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, particularly the Russians. The, the, the Russians had lots of, of collecting communities. Uh, they were very big into uh, stamp clubs, and, and the stamp clubs would have their own cachets. I, I don't know if you can see some of the, the red books behind me. Uh-huh. I, I do some micro-publishing uh, of people that write books, and the red ones are, uh, are Soviet. Uh, mm-hmm. Books and I've got a guy in in Arizona, and he's written probably thirty different titles on different aspects of Soviet astrophilately. Wow. Um, and you know the market is very small, so I said, well, you know, let me just print them a dozen at a time or something, and I'll put them on my website, and you know, whoever needs them. Uh, but yeah, the Russians were really big into that, and and certainly through the sixties and seventies we were, and then we had this long hiatus because you know we had the space shuttle, and. Um, it really didn't go anywhere interesting. It's 135 times around, you know, going up into orbit. I mean, how exciting is that? Uh, I mean, for me, I remember I was 10 years old and, um, and we were going to the moon and, and I'm sitting there, it's 10 o'clock at night. And we're sitting in the kitchen watching the black and white TV, you know, the one that's on the, the rollers with the rabbit ears and, and, you know, there's no such thing as a remote. You have to turn the dial. 
And, and I remember re- uh, that at that time, um, my life was going to be divided between what happened before we walked on the moon and after. And, and for many years after, people would say, you know, we can put a man on the moon, but we can't, I don't know, get the garbage collected on time or something <laughs> like that. Whatever it was, that was the high watermark. And, and we, what we discovered about ourselves is that things that we thought were impossible or too much for us to do, if we had the collective will, we could do it. So I always see it's, it's quite a popular topic. I always see Russia and the U.S. for astrophilately in, in my experience here selling material. But I always come across more um, American astrophilately hand-signed by actual astronauts or at least um, auto-pen signed anything mm-hmm. like that. But I don't come across too many Russian astrophilately auto-penned or actually hand-signed. Was there, is there just as much and we're just not seeing it or I'm not seeing it personally? Or was that just a difference in the, um, the way they revered their astronauts? Um, well, first of all, there are no, there are no auto-pens okay. um, in Russia. I mean, there are in the United States. Right. So if you, if you see a, a, an autograph on a cover, it's either a forgery or it's genuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they generally don't print uh, they don't use rubber stamps. They don't use auto pens. So uh, it's signed. It's signed by somebody. Probably explains um, why I haven't seen one. Well, um, um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if there's like a larger percentage that they sign or, or not. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, and I just noticed this going through countless collections or talking to collectors, for a lot of people, the Project Mercury stamp and the moon landing stamps were what got them into collecting or that's mm-hmm. the stamp that mom went and bought a sheet of it to put away that we could cash in on someday. And, and I would imagine that those two stamp issues in particular or the, um, the, the joint issue with Russia for the, um, uh, I'm not going to pronouncing it. So you, so yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, th- these are issues that really captivated people and really got people excited about stamp collecting. And I think it's interesting that even today, I remember when there was the, um, uh, the, at New York 2016, they did the, the planet series, Mm-hmm. And um, and even the the eclipse stamp a couple of years ago with the the gimmick where the, the that was great yeah. and, and I, I think it's interesting that it's still these space related stamps that are it's, I, mean, I heard so many non collectors getting excited about the disappearing ink on the eclipse stamp. <laughs> what, what, what do you think it is again? When you go back to the sixties and seventies, these are arguably the most iconic U.S. stamp issues. Of the nineteen sixties are tied in with our milestones in space travel. What is it you think that that creates that natural link between philately and and space travel? I, I, I don't know. Um, you, you know the one you didn't mention. You, you mentioned Mercury and and Apollo, but I started collecting in 1967 when I was eight, and and virtually the first thing that came out was the first U.S. satenet, which was the Gemini. You know the guy floating outside the capsule. Right. That's my favorite, absolute favorite. So, uh, yeah, and the guy that designed that one, uh, Paul Calley, also designed the, the landing on the moon stamp. Uh, and there's a great story with that as well, because they took the die for the, the man on the moon stamp and they took it to the moon. Oh, wow. Before they printed the stamp. So. Huh. Wow. Didn't know that. So your, your role these days as president of the American Airmail Society you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening will be members, but a lot of people might not be members. Can you talk a little bit about what it is? Because the Airmail Society encompasses a lot of things. Oh, from yeah. The, the early contract uh, airmail routes to, um, you know, if you're an astrophilatelist, that's 
part of aerophilately technically i would say well, uh, n- n- not so by fip of- rules but but <laughs> but yeah no i mean it's Spiritual. interesting because because the with the airmail society uh we for example um we cover rocket mail which is part of astrophilately so there there is some crossover and, and again, you've got everything from the early pioneer flights all the way mm-hmm. up through the Concord flights and everything. Yeah. Um, so, so can you talk about sort of the, the state of the American Air Mall Society today? Um, you know, uh, you, you put out a great journal. You've got a great editor for the journal. Um, I think it's one of the one of the best publications I get every month. Um, so, can you talk a little bit about what it's like as as president of the society? Hmm. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate the, the the compliment. I mean, Vicky does. Yeah. Wonderful work, and uh, we have a new um, editor for the for the catalog, Matt Heller, and what you see coming out of, of his shop is going to be just tremendous. Uh, the, the The next catalog that's going to come out is uh, Airmail of Canada and Newfoundland, the second edition, and he's totally revamping the way we do catalogs, and he's he's extremely precise. He he works for. Um, Whitman Coin. He does. He does a lot of, of catalogs, and he's just kind of put his his lawyer laser focus on on the American Airmail Society, and he's he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Yeah. So a little bit about the Airmail Society. Um, I think I came to it late. Um, I, I've been a member for many years, uh, but I, I I ran to be a director because I was interested in polar uh, aviation. And they were trying to get out the seventh edition, uh, second uh, second volume, uh, and they were having a real tough time with it. And I knew both of the editors, and I was trying to kind of push this along. And um, so I, I, I joined as an officer, and then the president um, asked, he needed a vice president, and he says, well, you know, we're both Air Force guys. How about being my wingman? And I said, well, you know, what's involved? Uh, he says, nothing. He says, you have nothing to do. He says, you know, if I drop dead one day, you're in charge. That's it. Well, that's what happened. That's what happened. Uh, Lee Downer was a, a tremendous leader and, uh, and a good friend. And, um, and he passed away very quickly. And uh, he made some, some wonderful cha- changes in the Airmail Society. And my job is to continue that as that, as that wingman. And so for the past year, I've, I've been the, uh, in that role for maybe a year. Um, I've been trying to focus on a couple of things. One is membership. Uh, you know, also shows, you know, we've got a show planned, Aerophilately 2022, which is the American Airmail Society with the American Philatelic Society. And so the first thing I do is I get on the phone and I call H.R. Harmer and I turn him upside down and I hold his ankles and I shake. <laughs> and I said, you know. Um, that was a rough conversation. Well, <laughs> you know, you fought valiantly and I, I have to give you that. Um, but you, you were you were tremendous. You know, I, I'm I'm girding for this, this, this tough fight. And you said, no, I get it. You know, these are our dedicated collectors. Um, and, uh, you know, my role is, is to supply material to exhibitors and, you know, we, we want to, we want to partner with you. So thank you for doing that. We we were so, and, and what we spoke about when we had that conversation, we were so impressed by the Confederate Stamp Alliance show. Oh yeah. uh, About this time last year, which was also held in and that was um that was also held in Belfont and that was one of these dedicated shows where it is yep. one society and all of the exhibits and all of the dealers and all of the talks are um you know fo- very focused um on, on one subject and i think shows like that are, are a huge part of the future of the hobby um, yeah. uh, you it's know it's going to be the I, same I, model and, same and model. A, a general show is great when there's a talk about 
um, you know, Zeppelins and then to talk about CSA and then to talk about Switzerland or whatnot. But mm -hmm. when you can go for two, three days and be fully immersed in um, one subject, when you brought up the idea of an airmail show, and I know before I joined the hobby, there were a couple of successful airmail shows, I believe. Yeah, and, in, in um, 07 and 14. Yeah. Right before I, I joined up. Mm -hmm. um, but but those sound so successful. We're, we're excited for what's coming in 2022. Is there anything else you can um, tell people to sort of whet their appetite? Uh, well, Steve Reinhardt's doing that. Um, and, and actually, since we're talking about Airmail Society, I, I wanted to just tell you about a fun thing that happened this past week. Um, there was a recreation of the 100th anniversary of the first uh, transcontinental airmail. So, Michael, you mentioned this when we were uh, chatting a little bit yeah, ago. I, I, had, yeah. I hadn't heard about this yet. Well, it was, it was kind of, it wasn't well publicized. But, but I, I heard from someone who uh, said, oh, you should contact this organizer. And uh, Bill Moore had put together something called Airmail 100. And he said, well, why don't we get a bunch of uh, commercial aviation you know, uh, pilots to recreate the flight from uh, Mineola to, uh, you know, to San Francisco? Uh, so they get like 16 pilots. They're all going to fly from the little airports that they used to fly from in the 1920s. And we'll carry some souvenir mail. Uh, and they did it. And it was it was wonderful. And I said, oh, well, we have to be in on that act. You know, we have to, you know, the American Airmail Society has to be involved. So uh, we had Steve Reinhardt, who is a, a, a previous president of the American Philatelic Society, and he's the treasurer of, of AAMS. Um, he he handled the, you know, gave the ceremony, the ceremonial bag, you know, of, of mail to the first pilot. And the first pilot is... Uh, uh, was Christopher Fries, who's a member of our society. And so he flew the first leg and flew to Belfont, you know. So um, it was cool. It was very cool. Wow. Yeah, I saw that on the um, the APS website. I mean, I was going to, um, I was going to mention that. So, so you were the, um, the previous executive director to the Spellman Museum. That's right. Uh, right before Joe Mullen. How long were you in that position? Um, I was there um, probably a little more than a year. But I heard that if you get to be a guest on your show, that you get to recommend someone to be on the show in the future. Is that true? Okay. Yeah. Let's start that now. <laughs> good. Good, good. There's a guy who I would love to hear an interview with, and uh, it's uh, Yamil Khoury. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So he's- I you know, He'd be fantastic. Yeah. He's the, the chairman of, of the Spellman and uh, a very accomplished author and exhibitor and international judge and- He's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And one of the big um, driving forces behind Boston 2026 as well. Yes. Yes. So by all yeah. means, um, when you get around to it, uh, please invite him. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll reach out to him. He's just a super nice guy too, in addition to being so accomplished. Yeah. 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 So something that I wonder, there's been a lot of um, interest in – Spaceflight with companies like Tesla, you know, everyone hears about Tesla and SpaceX, uh, I guess is the actual. Has there been, have there been people keeping up with these new developments philatelically? Are there still commemorative covers being produced for the SpaceX flights? Um, are, are there, you know, because it, it's, it's very easy to go back and try and collect Apollo or Gemini or mm -hmm. Mercury or whatnot. But are there still people who are um, keeping that uh, spirit alive by creating modern uh, astrophilatelic souvenirs? Oh, absolutely. Every single flight, uh, there are numerous um, uh, servicers, you know, who are creating caches and, and, and getting the postmarks and things like that. And, and to me, the, 
what's going on is breathtaking. I mean, there are lots of different com companies. You know, there's Orbital Science, there's Blue Origin, um, there's SpaceX, uh, you know, Boeing is doing their thing. Um, and I can't keep track of all that stuff. And I, I just know that that when things, when the dust settles, I'm going to go back and say, okay, I need that cover and that cover and that cover. Uh, there are people that are, that are on top of this stuff and I'm not, but, but I do see that it's being done and it's being done beautifully. So astrophilately is not just about looking back and maybe something you remember as a child that you saw on TV trying to, but it's about moving forward into space as well. And I assume this, I don't want to sound um, stupid, but I assume someday there'll be a Mars cover if we ever, you know, just like covers were brought to the moon. Oh, I would absolutely. hope that someday there's a, there's a cover brought to Mars. I think that would be one of the greatest uh, philatelic achievements. Oh, absolutely. You know, when Jeff Bezos uh, started launching his new shepherd, his, his suborbital, um, spacecraft, uh, he invited people to send postcards. And he said, well, you can take this postcard and I'll, I'll take it into space for you. So I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. You know, so I, I did that and it came back and it looks great. And uh, he invited people to do it again. So I've done it again. So, oh yeah, that stuff is, is definitely happening. That's fantastic that he, that he would reach out to uh, and, and, and offer that as a service to people. Yeah. Well, and he's doing it primarily as an educational thing for yeah. kids. One of the things that I do, I'm a volunteer with, uh, I'm a volunteer educator with JPL, with NASA. Um, I'm called a solar system ambassador, which, um, which means that my, my purview is, is quite large. It's a lot bigger than this planet. Uh, it's almost the size of my ego. <laughs> and, um, and, and so I, I sent in a postcard and, and on, on the, the face of the postcard is my business card uh, as, as a solar system ambassador. So, you know, it shows all of the planets and stuff like that. So it, speaking of, of your relationship with NASA, you're the only expert on, on this uh, kind of astrophilately. You had mentioned that you had, were the only accredited expert allowed to authenticate uh, material for astrophilately? Well, yeah, um, you know, authentication is is a um, is an interesting field in and of itself. Uh, yeah. Now, APS has an expertizing service, and they have maybe two hundred people who they can call on to review and give opinions. Um, and I'm I'm the only person that does that for astrophilately. And and you know, it's such a small niche that um, that they're not beating down the door. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but over the years. Um, I've got a lot of references and, and seen a lot of stuff. And it, it continues to amaze me how uh, large auction houses um, will put up material that is absolutely fake. And, and, and you know, I'll, I'll be beaten on the door and I'll say, this is a fake, this is a fake. And, um, and if it's a reputable firm, you know, they'll, they'll pull it. Um, and if not, they'll say, well, you know, we really don't know. And it's like, well, okay, you really don't know. <laughs> um, so what does that, that entail? Is that the autographs as well? Or what are you, what are you looking for? Is it just because your collection or your references that you have is so large that all of these things aren't, can't really be that unique. So you at least have a copy or a photo of what it should look like or, um, well, how does that process work for you? Yeah, so you're asking what is it that that I'm that I'm actually evaluating, right? Because um, yeah. it's not really a stamp, you know. Yeah. And, and I I can certainly give an opinion about an autograph, mm -hmm. although I I don't see myself as an expert on autographs. Um, no, I, I think evaluating astrophilately is really about evaluating the postmark. Okay. Um, there are there are fraudulent postmarks 
and uh, and there are fraudulent ones being made today. There is a uh, there's someone on eBay that is producing fraudulent postmarks, and mm-hmm. I contacted the postal service and I said, you know what, this is a violation of the law. In the same way that you can't create your own, you can't create U.S. postage stamps. You can't mm-hmm. create U.S. postage stamp postmarks either, mm-hmm. uh, and they're doing it. And um, and I, I have evidence of it, and it's a crime. And uh, post office isn't, isn't interested. But to answer your question, um, th- there are uh, a number of, of uh, cancels that are either backdated, or they're fraudulent, or they are rare. I mean, there there are some. Uh, take uh, Gemini two. So in the second Gemini flight. Uh, which was January 19th, 1965. Uh, you, you either see that as a machine cancel or as a hand cancel. Well, one of them is very common. The other is very rare. Well, you know, being an astrophilatelist, that has some value. And, and being able to, to bring that to the expertizing committee is, is useful. So it, it, I'm going to ask you another question now. That I'm a little naive on this. The, the signatures that come from the astronauts for the canceled covers, do they sign those before they take off or after they've returned? Uh, can be either way. Um, okay. I had a, uh, an envelope from one of the shuttle flights and um, it had all the autographs on it, but it was missing one, David Lowe. And I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll, um, I'll send it to Houston and see if he'll sign it. So, um, so I called up uh, NASA and, uh, and, and got the, the, uh, the astronaut office. And, and I said, you know, if, if I send this envelope, would you ask the astronaut to autograph it and send it back to me? And she said, I'm sorry, um, Dr. Lowe isn't on the planet right now, but when he gets back, he'll, he'll sign it for you. So he did great out of the office method. That was great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like like an automatic email response. I'm sorry. I'm not on the planet right now. Yeah. With a little GPS signal of where in space he is. (laughs) Yeah. That's fantastic. That's is there a holy grail of astrophilately in your eyes? Is it one of the Apollo 11 um, moon covers? Is there, um, you know, is it sort of the inverted Jenny of astrophilately or the, you know, one cent magenta of astrophilately? What is the, um, the, the holy grail for you if you had to pick one item? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> for, for American astrophilately, uh, it would be one of uh, – one of four postmarks. There was a postmark that was done on the way back from the moon. They were, they were going to cancel on the moon, but they were real busy. And, and so on the way back, they, they got two or three days where they're doing nothing but floating in the, in the spacecraft. And so they, they're, they're canceling this cover for the post office department. Uh, and it says, uh, you know, landed on the moon or something like that. Um, and so they decided to, to take a test strike. So they take the back of a, of a flight uh, plan and, and they practice, you know, making a nice impression. So they made one impression for each one of the astronauts, and then they canceled the cover and gave it to the post office. So those come up from time to time. Um, Buzz Aldrin's came up. Um, then Neil Armstrong's did. And um, it sold for about eighty dollars or $90,000. So when you think about it, this is a, uh, a cancellation that was made in 1969, it has no stamp. It has no envelope. It has no autograph. It never was mailed anywhere. Um, and it sold for $90,000. And I think the Armstrong one probably sold for double that. 
Um, and it's because of the history. It's, it's, it's because of when you see that postmark, you, it's, it's just explained all kinds of things to you. That's postal history. And that's astrophilately. It's it's not about stamps. It's not about roots and rates. Um, it's not about cachets. It's about postmarks. That's fantastic. That's an incredible story. Yeah. That's what, do you know what auction those sold at? I don't. Charles, do you know? I don't. I don't. But I'm uh, my gears are turning. I I want to sell one now. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it it rarely comes up, obviously, because because. Mm-hmm. Um, Collins generally didn't put things in and the post office isn't going to give up theirs. So, um, and Armstrong's, he held on to all of his stuff until he passed away and then his family sold stuff. So, um, so for the, for the past, you know, 30 years or so, it's all been Buzz Aldrin. Um, he's, he's been selling stuff. Um, the, the moon covers are really not as, as rare as you might think. No, they fall into the category of rare, but expensive, I think. Where yeah. all, kind of like the inverted Jenny, where one or two of them come up for sale every year. The moon covers they're they're out there. They're um, I don't want to say they're easy to get, but if you wanted to track one down, it wouldn't take no. A whole if you lot have a effort, if you have a checkbook, be, yeah, exactly. you, you can get them. It turns out that that there were nearly a thousand envelopes that went to the moon. Okay, hmm, wow. I mean that's a lot, yeah. right? Um, now of that, two hundred and four of them went on Apollo eleven. So I mean, there's a good number of them, and and if you've got $30,000, you can have one. So you you said, you know, Buzz Aldrin's items are coming up for sale. Are, are any of these astronauts astrophilatelists as well, or are they just holding on to these items because they hold significance for themselves? Um, mostly the latter. Yeah. Uh, a number of years ago, there was uh, some bad wildfires in California, which I guess is, you know, that's what's happening now, too. And, uh, and there was a report in the paper that Buzz Aldrin had called his wife and, uh, and she was scrambling at the house. You know, the, the fires are looking at the, the building and, and he says, save the space covers. You know, that was, you know, that was a thing. So these guys, they recognize the, uh, the philatelic value, the economic value associated with it. And there were certainly, there are collectors, um, um, Henry Hartsfield, uh, one of the early uh, shuttle astronauts was a stamp collector. Um, Fred Heinz. Um, there were several, but but virtually every astronaut has space covers, and it's because somebody gave it to them or because they know they're valuable. And you could also make a case that interest in our space program peaked more or less with interest in philatelic America. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I maybe philately a little bit earlier, but um, you know, stamp collecting was still very much a cultural force at the time everyone was gathered around their TVs yep. in 1969, watching the moon landing, they sort of coincided with one another. Um, you know, those are two great pop cultural phenomena, phenomena going on at the same time. And That's I wouldn't right. be surprised if, you know, even if they weren't dedicated collectors, they probably just appreciated the importance of a cover that was taken to the moon or a cover that was postmarked mm-hmm. at, um, you know, Cape Canaveral or whatever. That's right. Yeah. Fascinating. So it was so, um, so we've got the show coming up in 2022. I'd imagine the American Airmail catalog, there's always revisions of one volume or another going on at the same time. As soon as you finish the set, they probably, um, you know, you start back with volume one again. What else can people expect in terms of the Airmail Society moving forward? You know, what, what direction do you think the society's heading? Obviously, membership is on everyone's mind, but where do you see the Airmail Society in the future? 
Well, uh, first of all, let me speak about the catalog for a moment. We've sure. been publishing the catalog since 1935. And um, so it's currently in the seventh edition. Uh, we've put out three volumes in the seventh edition. And um, when I came on board, I'm like, okay, let's see. My job is to get the fourth volume and the fifth volume and the, you know, the eighth edition. Um, but when we put Matt Heller um, behind the wheel, um, he's got very different ideas. And, um, and I'm very excited with it. What, what he said is what we've done in the past is we've taken all of the collecting areas and I counted them up. There are 47 of them. So, you know, maybe you're a, a, a contract airmail, a cam collector, or you collect um, a catapult, or you collect glider mail or rocket mail or government flights or pioneer or first flight US or, you know, there are 47 of these, of these areas. And what we were doing is we'd have a section chief who would say, okay, I'm going to do the, the foreign air mails, the FAMs. And every couple of years he would like put that together and let's see, that was pretty big. So we're going to need a couple of skinny ones to go in with it. And you'd have four or five subjects that people didn't really collect those kinds of different things, but that's what was in the book. And, and we would publish that. And so when we had a critical mass, we'd go ahead and ship it to the publisher. What Matt says is that's made things very disjointed. The, uh, the catalog numbers um, don't coincide. The values are all off. Uh, there's a lot of inconsistencies. Um, and certain sections were dropped from year to year, which means that we have oh, yeah. to keep our fifth edition because that's the only edition that has whatever subject, you know, so I, 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 it's interesting to hear what was going on internally because I never understood the rhyme or reason behind it. Well, nobody understood, <laughs> but, but Matt, Matt has had the, um, I don't know if it's temerity or, or, or bravery or whatever it is to, to tackle this. And he says, no, we're going to do this right. He says, what we're going to do is we're going to, going forward, it's all going to be called the American Airmail Society catalog of glider mail you know, whatever. And, and we're going to produce it and it is going to be self-contained and it's going to be small enough that you can carry it around to a stamp show. And, uh, you know, it's all going to look the same and it's going to look good on your, on your uh, bookcase. Um, and he's absolutely right. And he started with uh, the American airmail uh, of Canada and Newfoundland because that one. So this is the new one coming out. This will be the first in the new right. style. Right. And, and um, I'm trying to push them to get it done by the end of the year. Uh, so, so that's coming out. Uh, World Crash Mail is is going to be really interesting. That's that's coming out. Uh, Ken Sanford is close on that. Um, let's see, uh, AMS, which which is kind of after CAMS, after after uh, a contract airmail thirty four. They called them airmail routes. So um, that section's uh, about ready to come out. So we're we're. We've got stuff coming um, probably around the, the, the turn of the year. One of the things I'd like us to do is I'd like us to, to come out with, um, with monographs, um, come up with, with smaller subjects that uh, maybe don't have to be something that you, that, that you continue to reproduce, but something that, that takes the richness of the research that's being done in aerophilately and puts it on your shelf. Um, we're also working on a database, which I'm very excited about. Uh, the idea that that you could have a cover in front of you and you'd say, okay, I don't understand this cover. Uh, is this the right rate? Is this the right route? Uh, what would the catalog number of this be? What is this cover worth? Um, 
and I'm not exactly sure all the things that the database is going to be able to do. Um, but uh, we're in the process of aligning what's happening on the website. And we just changed the website. Uh, we went from a, a legacy platform to, um, to WordPress, which is something that we can maintain ourselves. Um, so we're, we're, we're trying to um, synchronize the, the website with the database, with the new catalog. Um, and those are exciting directions that, that those kinds of things are what make a society worth joining and, and being a member of. Mm-hmm. Those, that sounds like it'll take the Airmail Society into a new era, into a new, you know, uh, hopefully inspire a next generation of collectors. And and um, I, I love hearing developments like that because that's what the society, uh, well, what the, the hobby really needs these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. So just one one last thing. Um, thank you for, for joining us. When did the American Airmail Society form? Was that with the first airmail flight slightly after slightly before or the balloon uh mail when did that uh, well it's 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 slightly after the the first first flight of of mail uh, in the united states was 1911 that's that's the start of the, the pioneer period mm-hmm. um and we start, first started uh, government flights in 1918 so the american airmail society dates back to 1923 so we've got a 100th anniversary birthday coming up okay. and and uh that's I, I see one of my other roles is uh, for us to reimagine, okay, so we've, we've been around for a century, uh, and airmail has changed, uh, principally in that airmail in the United States used to be a premium service. So if, if you wanted a first-class letter to go someplace and you wanted to go someplace faster, you'd put it in an airplane and you'd have to pay extra for it. And in the mid-'70s, the post office said, you know what, we're just going to send first-class the fastest way it can go. And if that means putting it on a truck, we're going to do that. If it means putting it in an airplane. So we don't have airmail per se anymore. And so we're kind of looking backwards in, in that respect. Um, but, you know, what do we want the airmail society to look like in the next hundred years? Uh, do we expect it to be around in a hundred years? It may not, you know, it might die a natural death. Um, I don't know, but, but I'm, I'm committed to us uh, doing research and, and fellowship and getting together at stamp shows and having our own, you know, 2022 stamp show um, and, and really enjoying airmail uh, for what it is. It's a, it's a wonderful part of postal history and, and, and uh, a wonderful part of philately. Great. And, and is there a website to that 2022 show yet or is that in the works or is that no. in, in Belfont? Yeah, no. Steve Steve Reinhardt is working on it. Um, he's he's gotten together some some key sponsors, uh, starting with Charles, but some other people too. Um, and uh, and he's got a committee. And uh, Cheryl Gantz is uh, getting us a um, a commemorative medal that's going to look gorgeous. Um, it's really going to be a first class operation. They're they're excited and working on it. Um, but we have to get back to stamp shows first, right? Right, right. Well, we're looking forward to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's, um, let, we, we should uh, try and talk to Steve at some point and, and, yeah. uh, get an update on the show at some point and continue doing whatever we can to help, um, you know, help promote the, the, you know, our, we, everyone in this hobby shares the same goals. So let's do what we can to, to help the show and help the airmail society. Yeah. You, you guys do such a wonderful job. I have to tell you, I've been watching all of them. I, you know, I watched the one with Wayne and with Gary and all that kind of stuff. And when I saw the one with Graham and I've been watching Graham, I love his voice. I'm like, <laughs> You know what? 
he said he wants to go in different directions. I'm going to take a copy of my book and I'm just going to blind send it to him and say, you know what? You should talk about astrophilately. So I, I took it to the post office today. So we'll see what happens. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. he'll love that. Yeah, he, he always loves getting mail and, and he always features it in, uh, in his episodes and everything like Good. that. So that's, um, that's great. This has been well, fantastic. Yeah. It's they, been a uh, lot of fun. Thank you so much for reaching you out. You guys to are terrific. Today. Yeah. This has We're been, just having um, fun. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <Exactly>. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was great. Thank you so much. I learned Thank a you lot for the invitation. Today. Yeah. No, of course. Um, I'll have to come and visit you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we're not too far away. And uh, as soon as as soon as soon we can. Yeah, we'd love Good. to. Uh, love and to if you ever make happen. it down to the city, just let me know as well. I would like that. I'd like that very much. Yeah. Thanks, absolutely. guys. Thank you. And um, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Good. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Well, I, I love hearing so much about the American Animal Society. It's one. Of, I, I didn't realize they were founded so early, um, but yeah. it really is one of the great philatelic societies um, in America with one of the greatest histories, some of the best publications. Um, it, it's really important. We need the Airmail Society to, to stick around for a very long time. And it sounds like it's in very capable hands right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That um, the, I loved hearing about all that astrophilately. I, I, mean, I it, think it's it, fascinating. You, on the one, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, well, it's modern or it's, you know, um, I don't want to use the word contrived, sounds bad, but but, you know, it, it's it's difficult for us to, you know, we didn't really grow up with space travel. We didn't get to idolize astronauts or mm-hmm. anything like the generation before us did, like our parents did. Right. So I think it's interesting to hear about somebody who grew up watching all of these moon landings and, and space launches on TV firsthand. Yeah. And now he's able to act as an ambassador and to get new people interested in the hobby. Um, I think it's great hearing firsthand what astrophilately means to someone. Yeah, because I mean, we of course know them as as national heroes, but we didn't, like you said, we didn't grow up. We can't imagine what it was like. To, yeah, exactly, I mean, we we didn't gather around the TV to watch man set foot on the moon. I, I, it was great again to hear about his personal journey with astrophilately, as well as his role as president of the AAMS. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to see see what comes of his administration in the future, and I. I you know, speaking for Azure Harmer, we're really excited to be a part of the show coming up. Yeah, that's going to be um, that's going to be exciting. You'll I'm have to take to... a booth as well. You'll, yeah. we'll have to see you there. I'll save up all our uh, all our stuff that all our yeah. stuff that all the airmail that comes in, all the astrophilately. Although he said the airmail society doesn't really cover astrophilately. I'm sure there's a lot of crossover in exactly yeah. <clears throat> in the collector base. I'm sure there's a lot right. of crossover as well. Because what is a True. rocket ship except for a really high airplane? I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like it to me. I, I actually took uh, science classes in college, and I still say things that oh, are that wow. na- really? naive. So yeah, okay, it's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> so who's up next on uh, conversations with philatelists? I who's, uh, believe we're speaking to Scott English. That uh, was a president. That was the, a rhetorical question because I knew it was going to be Scott English. I just right. I just was letting other people know. Okay, well, Scott, Scott English is the executive director of the uh, American Philatelic Society. He is um, uh, really one of the great um, mouthpieces, one of the great vocal supporters of philately. He has been all over the news with different philatelic um, news stories and promotions. He's really a great cheerleader for the hobby and a great cheerleader for the APS, which is kind of synonymous with the hobby in, in America. And uh, I think it'll be great to have him on. I, I know I've always enjoyed my conversations with Scott, both about stamps and uh, about other things. You know, the time he met 
uh, public enemy or the time he raised crabs in the Chesapeake Bay. Scott is full of stories. He, yeah. uh, there's, there's just no one like him. And, and people want to hear those stories too. It was, uh, I think his town hall that he had when the APS stamp charts chats started happening, um, there were a couple members on each of them and then they did a town hall with Scott English and they filled up to a hundred people. And then they had like a hundred others on a wait list trying to get in. And, and that's when they figured out they needed to switch from zoom to, to WebEx or whatever. He's, a, he's, a, he's a great speaker. People yeah. love to hear him. And I'm, I'm really excited to have him on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Well, for, I feel like I'm looking forward to everything we do, but um, you know what? These have all been fun. There hasn't yeah. been one that I haven't enjoyed thoroughly. So I'm sure that Scott will continue that trend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, as always, we're on YouTube. We're on uh, Podbean. We're yep. on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Yep. Um, philatelypodcast.com is our homepage. Philatelypodcast at gmail.com is our email address. That's in case people want to reach out to us. Just in case. Just in case. Uh, correct all of the errors I made when speaking about astrophilately. Yeah, we haven't gotten any of those yet. Is corrections about anything we may have said that uh, that was completely false. We'll try and keep that streak going uh, moving <laughs> forward. <laughs> but until next time, until we speak to Scott English, this has been a lot of fun. Really enjoyed talking to David. And yeah. uh, we'll do it again real soon. Absolutely. Michael, good talking to you. You too. We'll see you, uh, see you next time. Sounds good. Bye. 